me in Daniel 1, Daniel chapter 1, if you're not there already. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we have just testified through song, now we testify even in prayer that you are a faithful God, that great is your faithfulness. Even on this journey of life, even as we come into difficult circumstances, even though it seems that you have made a mistake, we know that you are the God who makes no mistakes. You're the God who's working all things, not just for your purposes, but for our good. Heavenly Father, even as we turn our attention this evening to Daniel chapter 1, may we see your faithfulness, your goodness, your sovereign hand, which is always at work in the world around us. May we be encouraged. We pray that you would accomplish your purposes through your word this evening. That you would work in each and every one of our lives. That you'd be honored in all that is said and done. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've ever played a sport, or an instrument, or really anything, you're probably familiar with the I was going to say practice, but the word practice. You're probably familiar with the practice of practice. Practice is, is when you go over the same thing over and over and over. When you play an instrument, you're constantly practicing where your fingers are. Might be surprising to many of you, but I did play an instrument at one point in my life. I took violin lessons when I was in second grade. And uh, that lasted about six months. Just, I was not cut out for it. And I, I remember I had the hardest time getting my fingers to go. I, I, I could not get this finger to do what I wanted it while I was trying to get this hand to move this way. It just, my hands, my mind doesn't work that way. The same thing with sports. You practice over and over and over. If it's basketball, you practice your basketball shot, having your elbow in. Balancing the ball just right, your follow-through. If it's soccer, you're, you're practicing your body alignment as you pass the ball. Shooting, leaning over the ball. In golf, you practice your swing over and over and over again. Why do we practice? Even when you get into higher levels of sports or, or of um, music, why do we continue to practice? point of practice is to build good habits, is it not? It's to build habits that, that when a situation comes up, you can react rightly because you have built up that practice. You've built up that habit, and so you just, it is naturally what comes forth when the opportunity arises. You don't have to think about it. As we come to Daniel 1, verses 8 to 21, we see 
That Daniel is faithful. And yet what we'll see is that Daniel's faithfulness is not just a, a choice, a decision in the moment. But it is a commitment that he has made. Daniel is faithful now in, in Daniel 1 because a long time ago in Israel, he made a commitment, I am going to be faithful. Faithful is not what Daniel became once he got to Babylon. Faithful is what Daniel was because he practiced, because he built that habit of faithfulness. This morning as we work our way, this evening as we work our way through this passage, we're going to see the predicament that Daniel finds himself in, the plan that he comes up with, and then the test in the end. The first thing we see is the predicament. Look with me, if you will, at verses 8 to 10. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So we come to verse 8 of Daniel. We're building on what we saw last week. Last week in the first seven verses of Daniel, we looked at the circumstances, the situation in which we find ourselves. Jerusalem has been attacked by Babylon. Daniel has been ripped from his home and from his family. From, from the ashes of Jerusalem, he's been dragged to this foreign land been given new clothes. He's been given new, a new name. I'm trying to build new habits in Daniel. So we come to verse 8, though. We have this. But Daniel purposed in his heart. But Daniel purposed in his heart. This is who Daniel is. Daniel remains faithful. He is purposed in his heart to be faithful, not to defile himself. He has every excuse in the book, does he not? His family is gone. Everything around him that he has grown up with is gone. All those he looked up to, they're gone. His home is in ashes. His teachers, they're gone. In fact, as he looks around him, everything in his circumstance seems to indicate that God has abandoned him. He has every excuse in the book not to worry about what God has said. In fact, as you look at the passage, it makes it clear that Daniel is not in the majority when he stands up against the king. He's in the minority. Several of his countrymen who have come with him to Babylon, they throw it all away. They don't care. They're starting new. But Daniel perseveres because Daniel has purposed in his heart. I'm sure these 
countrymen stood up to Daniel and to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and they said, you're being ridiculous. Look at where you are. Look at the situation in which you are in. God doesn't care about you. God made promises and we believe those and look where we are. Probably told Daniel that he was just being petty. Get over it. Stop being ridiculous. But Daniel has purposed in his heart. This is a decision that Daniel made a long time ago. This is a habit that Daniel has built. This is who Daniel is. It's not who Daniel became. It's not that he was ripped away from his home and his family and he comes to Babylon. He's given all this stuff. He's given a new name. He's given this nice food. He's given a place to sleep. And, they say, and, and he decides now, you know what? Now I'm going to start being faithful to God. Daniel is faithful to God now because he purposed in his heart a long time ago that he was going to be faithful to God. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. The word defile here refers to moral or ceremonial defilement. And Daniel really is facing both if he eats this food and drinks this wine. You see, he could be defiled by the food which, could, which was likely much of it unclean. Even if it wasn't unclean, it was probably made clean because they did not prepare it correctly. It would be unclean according to the law of Moses, therefore it would have been sin for Daniel to eat it. But that can't be the only thing that is going on here. Because wine is not forbidden. So why does Daniel refuse to drink wine to not defile himself? The most likely answer is the other problem with this food. Even the food that was not unclean, it would have likely been offered to the Babylonian gods before it was offered to Daniel and his countrymen. And for Daniel and his friends, knowing this, that would have made partaking of this food equal to indirect worship of a pagan god. It is one step closer to turning from God and turning to worship these pagan gods. And so Daniel stands his ground. Daniel is not willing to take that step. He's not willing to put himself in a position to be defiled. So therefore, because he has purposed in himself, in his heart, not to defile himself, therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Notice how Daniel goes about this. Notice the language that is used. Notice it doesn't say Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile him. And, and we know from the Bible that Daniel is right in what he's doing here. And so it doesn't say, though, that Daniel stood up and punched that guy in the face and said, I am not going to do this. That's not what Daniel does. 
He's respectful. Notice it doesn't say he demanded, therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel here is bold, but kind. Boldness does not always mean meanness. You can be bold and kind. You can be bold and loving. It's not just about saying the right thing, but you must say the right thing in the right way. Because it's very easy to say the right thing and to do the right thing in the wrong way. But Daniel does it rightly. He is bold, but he's kind. He shows honor, he shows respect. This man does not care about Daniel's God, but we see here that he clearly does care about Daniel. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. This eunuch, the chief of this eunuch, Ashpenaz, cares about Daniel. And once again, we see that it is God who has done this. Last week, we saw God's faithfulness even in the ashes of Jerusalem. And this week, we see that we keep seeing God's faithfulness even in the court of a pagan king. God is faithful. It is God who allowed Nebuchadnezzar to, to conquer Jerusalem. And it is God who has allowed Daniel to make a good impression on this chief of the eunuchs. To find favor with him. It is God who is at work all throughout the book of Daniel. And there are some crazy circumstances in Daniel. And yet God, all throughout it, is in complete control. We notice how the chief of the eunuchs responds to Daniel. You can even tell his care for Daniel and how he answers. He doesn't just shut Daniel down right away. He doesn't just kick him out. He engages with him. Daniel has approached him. Daniel's brought his issue. He requested, don't, don't make me defile myself. This is what I believe. This is why these foods are a problem. Can we work something out? And the chief of the eunuchs, Ashpenaz, said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who's appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger, endanger my head before the king. See, the stakes here are high, not just for Daniel, but for Ashpenaz as well. He's been tasked with preparing these captives. That is his one duty, and to fail to do that could mean his head. So Daniel's little diet problem is not as big of a deal to Ashpenaz as it is to Daniel. In fact, notice what he fears. Daniel fears the Lord. Ashpenaz fears the king. What we see in these first several verses is what you fear affects what you do. Daniel honors God. He fears the Lord. 
And that's given him the boldness to purpose in his heart not to defile himself. Ashpenaz fears the king. He's going to honor his king. And because of that, he is scared to allow Daniel to do this. He has a job to do. So these are the stakes that Daniel is dealing with. Number one, disobey the Lord in order to please the king. That's what most of his countrymen who've come with him, that's what most of them are doing. Disobey the Lord to please the king. When you start weighing the pros and cons, there's a lot of pros on that end. You're in a foreign land. This king has complete control of you. He could kill you with the snap of his hand. That's, that's a pretty big pro. He's giving me food. He's giving me clothing. He's giving me housing. I have nothing to go home to. I have nowhere else to go. I don't even know if God sees me or cares anymore. The second option is to defy the king in order to please God and likely to face death. These are the stakes that Daniel is facing. This is the predicament in which he finds himself. Secondly, we see the plan. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink and let us, our appearance be examined before you. May the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. Ashpenaz has told Daniel, this, this is what I fear if I let this happen. But Daniel doesn't give up. Daniel doesn't just turn around and say, oh, no, I tried. At least he didn't kill me. I guess I have another choice now. Daniel is determined to be faithful because that is who Daniel is. Daniel's not going to give up. And so Daniel goes not to the steward, not to Ashpenaz, not, not to Ashpenaz, he goes to his steward, the subordinate of Ashpenaz. Even here we see Daniel's wisdom on, on full display already this early in the book. By going to the subordinate, Ashpenaz, you'll notice, didn't necessarily say no. He just said, if I do this, I could die. So Daniel goes to the guy under Ashpenaz. He takes the burden off of Ashpenaz and goes to someone else. He goes to the, to the steward of the chief of the eunuchs. We also see here that it's not just Daniel who's being faithful, but it's Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, or as we were introduced to him last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel's come up with a plan. Test us. Test us for ten days. Look, this, this is what we believe. This is what God has said. This is what the Bible says. I cannot do this. And this is why. This is my reason. I'm not just trying to be a rebel. This is why I can't. Just test me for 10 days. Just, just give me a chance. Let's just see what happens. 
test us for 10 days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Vegetables, that which grows on sown seeds. So vegetables or fruits and grains, that kind of stuff. Give us that. Give us water and let's, let's see what happens. You can look at our appearance. You can measure us against the, the other young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And notice this. And as you see fit, so deal with, so deal with your servants. Give us ten days. And then let's go from there. Daniel has done the best that he can under the circumstances, and now he puts the rest in God's hands. As you see fit, so deal with your servants. As you see fit. If it comes to the end of ten days and we don't measure up, I'm still not going to eat the food, but you can kill me if you want. As you see fit. You can do whatever you want at that point, but give us ten days. Daniel is so confident that the Lord will honor his faithfulness that he basically stakes his life on it. Give me ten days and then you can do whatever you want. Just give me ten days and watch and look. I can't help but marvel at Daniel's faith. Oh, that I had faith like that. To step out like that. Daniel's confidence, his boldness comes not because Daniel is significantly better than anyone else who has ever lived. His confidence and his boldness comes from the fact that his God is faithful. And Daniel believes that with every bone in his body, my God is faithful. My God can do this. Therefore, I am going to be faithful. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter and flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. God is faithful. Put yourself in Daniel's shoes and in Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. How, how encouraging this must have been for them. They have literally placed their hands, their lives in God's hands. And God has been found faithful. God has come through. He has acted on their behalf. God has not abandoned them. This might be one of the first signs while they have been here that God is with them. That their stand was not foolish or petty, but it was bold and it was right. Because even here, God is with us. Even here in Babylon, in the king's court, God is faithful. As we come to verses 17 to 21, we see then the test. The test. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. 
God does not just bless Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah with healthy bodies. He blesses them with sharp minds as well. He blesses them above and beyond so that they, they are thriving. And here at the end, Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. It's, it's a little bit of foreshadowing. God's preparing Daniel for what is to come, as we'll see in chapter 2. God is not just going before them. God is not just in control. God is personally preparing them. He is giving them not just the strength and body that they need, but the strength and mind that they need. God is preparing Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah for exactly what they need. God is at work. Even before these issues that we'll see in the end of the book, even before they come up, God is preparing them right now. Verse 18, now at the end of the days, at the end of this three years of training that we saw in verse 5, that they have been prepared for, the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them. How terrifying this must have been. This shows how important they, that, that these uh, Ashpenazes' job was because these, the, I mean, they're coming directly to the king. There's not someone else for the king that is doing this. They are coming before the king. The king will know himself whether they've been trained well. And the king interviews them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. None was found. They're not just prepared, they are excellently prepared. They are far and above anybody else in their class. God's grace has made their bodies strong and their minds sharp. God has gifted them, his faithful servants. And therefore, they serve the king before the king. They're given high positions of authority and of power. Verse 20 goes on, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them to be ten times better than the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Not only were they the best in their class, they were the best in the entire kingdom. They were better than, than the king's magicians and astrologers, the king's advisors who consult the stars and the spirits who give advice to the king. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were wiser than they were. That's not surprising to us, is it? Daniel and his friends are ten times better because the source of their knowledge is infinitely better. They have God on their side. And if God is for us, who can stand against us? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah boldly stood up. And God blessed them. God blessed them. God was faithful. 
Verse 21, thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Here we see Daniel is blessed with the Lord with long life. This, this verse looks, looks forward through, through Daniel's entire ministry here. This is what God has done. And Daniel is blessed then through the entire ministry. He's given long life. He lived probably be 85 or 90 years old. Daniel lived through the entirety of the captivity. He lived by God's grace, not just to come into Babylon, but he lived to see some go back out, back to Israel. How encouraging that must have been in Daniel in his old age. To see this faithful God, to see that faithfulness in action. As Cyrus comes, and King Cyrus starts sending these captives back home. The captivity is over. God is faithful. So as we come to the end of chapter 1 of Daniel, a few points of application. Number one, be responsible. See, God's sovereignty is not a hindrance to personal responsibility. I think sometimes we can be tempted to have the idea, well, if God is, if God is sovereign, if God's in control, then I could just sit back and let God do his thing. That's showing great faith, is it not? I'm trusting God to do it. I'm trusting God to get me a job. Have you filled out any applications? No, but God is sovereign. God's sovereignty does not negate personal responsibility. Rather, the truth of God's sovereignty should motivate his people to personal responsibility. Rather than God's sovereignty being an excuse for me to be lazy, it should be a reason for me to go out and to work hard, to be faithful, to be responsible, because my God is in control in all circumstances. I have nothing to fear about, therefore I will be faithful. God's sovereignty is not a hindrance to personal responsibility. Rather, the truth of God's sovereignty should motivate his people to personal responsibility. To faithfulness. Secondly, build good habits. Build habits of faithfulness now so that you can be faithful later. Daniel did not just become faithful when he showed up in Babylon. These were habits that he built a long time ago. It was a long time ago that Daniel decided to commit himself to the Lord. When I used to teach the youth group, I would often tell them, that the time in life in which they were in youth group as a teenager, that is one of the most important moments of your life. Because the habits and the decisions that you make as a teenager and the habits that you start are habits that are going to be with you for the rest of your life. So build habits of faithfulness now as a young person so that you can be faithful for the rest of your life. But you don't just have to start when you're young. Regardless of what age you are this evening, start building habits of faithfulness. Start reading your Bible. Start being faithful in prayer. Start being faithful in church. Start being faithful in giving. Start being faithful in serving. Be, build habits of faithfulness now so that when things get difficult later, it'll be your automatic response. It'll be the person that you are. Be faithful now so that you can be faithful later. And finally, obey the Lord. God's way is always best. 
He does not change with the circumstances and neither do his expectations. Just because your circumstances might be difficult does not mean that you can just discard what God has said. Well, that, that's, it, it's too hard not to lie in this circumstance, so I'll, just, I'll not worry about that and God will forgive me. Your circumstances don't negate your responsibilities. God's way is always best. God does not change with circumstances, and God's expectations for us does not change with circumstances. Be faithful, because your God is faithful. We're going to close this evening with a song, number 389.